again. You're at the home front of an important battle. The American family is under assault. From the home front is on the front line of this battle, protecting families, parents, and children, raising the flag in defense of traditional values. News, research, and opinion are a part of each broadcast. Join us in the battle. Together, relying on the wisdom of eternal truths, we can rebuild the American family. Welcome. You're talking with Jane from the home front tonight, and we're so glad to have you with us. We have a, an awesome guest who's been on the show uh, times before and is just chock full of information on issues that are important to healthy sexual attitudes in our homes, in our schools, and in our culture. I want to welcome back to the show Scott Phelps. Hi, Jane. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Thanks for joining us tonight. And I am so glad you're making yourself available for the full show. Uh, we have talked about a lot of these issues in the past, but we're at the point now where I think we are able to really hone in on some specific issues. If you're joining us at the home front for the first time, you're going to hear us talk about some very specific issues related to teens, uh, young people, adolescents, even college students, and their sexual decisions and behaviors. And you may hear some things said tonight that don't make sense to you. If you hang with us through the show, we're going to give you some resources to Check out what we're saying, see uh, what it is based on, and get your questions together and stick with us in uh, the coming weeks and Saturdays because we're going to talk about many smaller issues of the big problem. I would like to liken what's happened with sexual behavior in our culture uh, to children who are slap happy when they're walking through mud puddles in the rainstorm and they just take a big foot and stomp in that mud puddle and mud goes everywhere. And that's really what's happened in the last 50 years uh, with sexual information is that information is everywhere, uh, but it's disorganized. Um, it it says conflicting things, and we as parents lots of times are stuck in the middle trying to figure it out. Scott, we're going to take care of that tonight with you. Yeah, excellent. Let's do it. All right. Well, we have uh, four segments with Scott, and they were really prompted by a decision that's been made here in a local Arizona school district, the Tempe School District. But this decision is not unique just to Tempe or Arizona. It goes on around the country. In fact, uh, we're now tying ourselves to sex education decisions made up in the state of Washington. And in our next segment, we're going to really touch that decision, get very specific about it and, and uh, what the problems are. But the question you may be holding now is, well, I don't have any kids in Tempe and... Um, my kids are grown, but I'm going to say to you that this probably touches you in some ways you don't expect. If you've got grandkids, if you've got neighbors, if you've got even students in college, all these people are going to be getting information from sex education curricula, other experts outside of the house, and you have no idea what they're being told. Much of it is misinformation, and it's very harmful. So if you hang in with us through the show, you're going to get a chance to get the real information that that helps you counter what's gone on in the culture 
and uh, it it will be important because you, as a parent or as a family member, are the key educator. Kids have said this in many studies. They want to hear from you. Scott, you had a very unusual way of experiencing this recently. You were in your the school where your own kids attend. Can you tell us a little bit about being uh, the sex educator in your children's classrooms and what you noticed that was a little bit troubling uh, with the general information and exposure of kids in this day and time to sexual ideas? Well, yeah, it's very interesting. And just in terms of uh, wording, you know, word, words are really important to me. And so uh, I would only say that I wasn't a sex educator but an abstinence educator. Right. Um, only because, and the only reason I mention that, Jane, is, and I know you know that, mm-hmm. but just for our audience to be clear, uh, there's a very clear distinction between sex education and abstinence education. And, of course, sex education is essentially teaching kids how to have sex. Right. And to try to uh, mitigate the consequences of that action. So that would be sex education. Is that sex? And, and I always try to present the other side's view uh, in a way that if they were sitting in the room with me, that they would not take issue with that, that I would uh, accurately describe what they believe. And I believe that their view would be that uh, sex is not a bad thing. Sex is a good thing. We are sexual beings. Uh, nothing wrong with having sex. What we have to do is help kids have sex safely, and so we're going to teach them about contraception so that they can, you know, have sex, which is a good thing, but not have the negative consequences, which in their view are merely physical things like pregnancy and sexually transmitted diseases. So that would be their view, right? They right. would say nothing wrong with sex. We would say, on the other hand, uh, absence education is training teens in self-discipline, self-respect, responsibility, and helping them to understand that sex is indeed a good thing in a marriage relationship where it is safe, healthy, and protected. And so we would make a very clear distinction with uh, our sex education counterparts and that we would say that uh, we teach kids that sex is good, that they should have sex when they're married because that is where it is going to be safest, healthiest, best. And that's objective. So right. Now, I was in my son's high school class. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to explain the experience this week, but go ahead. Okay, well, this is real quick. For those people maybe catching us for the first time and not quite understanding the link that you're making between sex and marriage, we're going to tackle that, so hang in there. Go ahead, Scott, and explain. Well, it's funny that you should even make that. The fact that you would even have to make that qualification mm-hmm. is very interesting to me because that it goes along with my experience this week. So... Uh, I actually started out doing this uh, 15 years ago. I was in the same school uh, here in the Chicago area where mm-hmm. we live. Uh, it's where I started out and uh, began teaching in the, the school I was at this week, along with a whole bunch of other schools. And the response, Jane, was overwhelmingly positive, that teens were hearing for the first time, almost like we had landed on a spaceship from another planet. <laughs> right. That they were hearing for the first time this concept. I'll never forget what a girl said to me at one of our Chicago uh, high schools. This was in the city of Chicago. She said, I think saving sex for marriage is a great idea. I never thought of that before. That's what I want to do. You know, And I think she really characterizes mm-hmm. where our kids are at today. It's not that they're rebellious. 
It's not even necessarily that they want to be sexually active. It's simply that they are being carried along by what I call a Miley Cyrus culture mm-hmm. that is leading them into that behavior, and they've never even been given the opportunity to consider any other way. And when we lay it out for them, their first response is, oh, my goodness, I've never even heard about this. Could you slow down and tell me more about it? Right. It's interesting, Scott, because I actually, in the early years of writing about this and talking about it, uh, visited different programs, different classes, and everything that you're speaking about, the uh, goals of many sex educators versus abstinence educators, are right there. I, I saw all of that. And here, and actually, interestingly enough, in the same Tempe School District that's uh, part of our conversation tonight, I had the same experience. The teacher had been teaching for a couple of days, and I was watching the kids soak it in and, and be very interested and receptive to it. And she took a break, and one of the students turned around, and I said, well, what do you think? And she goes, it's really interesting. I've never heard this before. <laughs> and See, is that amazing? Yeah. I just, my mouth dropped open. And we're going to have a break in just a few minutes. So uh, what was your your take on the end of the week after you had talked with these kids? Uh, very briefly, Scott, and we'll, yeah, you'll I hear the music. Things, yeah, I think several things stood out to me. And number one is just how marginalized our message has in fact become, that Mm -hmm. our message of the benefits of saving sex for marriage is clearly now an alternative message. It's not the main message that they hear and know and believe. When we come into the classroom and start teaching about the benefits of saving sex until marriage, again, it's still like I landed from a spaceship, and that was very sad to me, that, Mm -hmm. that the very concept was so foreign to them. What was always the cultural norm is now a fringe uh, concept that they have. And I just addressed that with them. I said, look, I, I understand that you don't ever hear anything about this. I get it. That's why I'm here. Right. And I know that it's really unfashionable even to talk about marriage in a positive way. But again, that's why I'm here. And the reason why I'm here is because I'm wanting to help you learn some things that you're not going to hear anywhere else. So that was the way I addressed it with them, and it was very, very positive. Great. Well, we're going to talk more about this in our next segment, dealing with a school district that has adopted a sex education curriculum and see where they may be going wrong. We're at KFNX 1100 AM, Independent Talk. Log on and listen live. 1100kfnx.com. Hey, baby. There ain't no easy way out. Hey, I I will stand my ground. And I won't back down. Welcome back to the home front. You're talking with Jane tonight, and we have a guest, Scott Phelps, that has been on the show uh, many times, bringing great information about teens and sex and healthy attitudes about sex. 
And Scott, we didn't get a chance to really introduce your organization uh, in the first segment. We were just hot to try to get into the topic of <laughs> the Tempe schools. Can you tell us just the name of your organization and a, a brief idea of what you are doing? Sure, yeah. Abstinence and Marriage Education Resources. Our website is abstinenceandmarriage.com, spelled out, abstinence, A-N-D, marriage, spelled out. And uh, we've got a series of curricula that I've developed as a result of working with kids in schools over years. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we do, Jane, is uh, train up school teachers, youth pastors, parents all over the country to be able to teach this message to teens in a way that is effective, in a way that kids really embrace it and get excited about it. And uh, that's what we were doing at the high school this week. Very good. And I just lost my train of thought. You said something in a question there. So we'll just uh, come to one thing that I uh, had written down from the first segment, and the thought will come back. Yeah. Uh, your distinction between sex education and abstinence education, I think, is so key. I do want yeah. to tune our listeners into the problem, though, that is out there. And you and I addressed this on a previous show, that there are many curricula, and I believe Flash will fall into this category, where they say, we also teach abstinence. We're a comprehensive program. We teach it all. And we do teach abstinence. And we teach condoms, and we teach all the other things that kids need to know. And I think this really ties back to uh, an early premise of sex education is that it's going to be without value. It's going to be values neutral. And uh, the the odd twist of thought about that is that by pulling all the values out of the curriculum and the subject matter, we basically have sex presented as something you just can do for whatever reason, for recreation, because you're bored, because somebody thought it up, you were curious. And uh, part of the battle is trying to attach value to this very wonderful act that we share as human beings. And uh, you are familiar with the FLASH curriculum. Our listeners can uh, look it up online. Just do a Google search and you'll find it. It has an element in it that is always a trigger for me. In a condom lesson, it's also talking about dental dams. And this is where my antenna came up because one of the key issues that always comes up is medical accuracy. The assumption yes. is that those abstinence people over there, because they simply bury their heads in the sand, they know nothing about the medical realities of, of sex education. So you need to get them out and get us in. And we'll talk a little bit about abstinence, and then we'll bring in all the other medically accurate information. I don't know if we'll have time to really get into the details of the dental dams, but that's going to be on my website uh, this next week. Can you address uh, the the nature of the curriculum, what you know about FLASH, and what you see as potentially being problematic for using this uh, in any school district, whether it's Tempe or elsewhere, as a foundation for sex education? 
Yeah, there are so many issues with it, Jane. I did pull it up before the show to mm -hmm. look through it to uh, try to decide what to talk about. And the problem is I could go off on almost any part of it. Right. Uh, what you're referring to, I have it up right now on my computer. I'm looking at it. It's a mm -hmm. page from the curriculum where it literally has a diagram teaching teens in school. Okay, you sent your kid to school today. Mm-hmm. And, and they're getting a lesson with diagrams on how to take a condom and use scissors and cut it into uh, a dental dam so that you can use it for having oral sex. I mean, this is just craziness as, as far mm -hmm. as I'm concerned in terms of what we should be teaching our kids. Uh, so beyond the fact that, you know, there are medical accuracy issues, it's just wholly inappropriate. Mm -hmm. And this isn't what we want to be encouraging our kids to do. Okay, kids, let's all get out of pair of scissors. Let's all try this. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense that we would in any way uh, appear to condone or to condone or to encourage that kind of behavior among our teens. We need to be encouraging our teens to be diligent in their studies and to focus and, and not to be getting into sexual activity. There's a report that just, I just came across. Uh, we've used a report from the Heritage Foundation for years showing the relationship between uh, academic achievement and absence education. But the federal government, the CDC, Department of Health and Human Services, actually just came out with a report recently showing uh, sexual behavior and academic achievement, showing the negative relationship between those two things. So mm -hmm. that's another issue. We'll save that for another segment. As it, as it goes to the FLASH curriculum, that situation of the dental dam is simply one symptomatic problem. Mm -hmm. It is faulty at the core. And by that, I mean when a, a curriculum like FLASH says we're going to teach abstinence and contraception, they never really teach abstinence. For example, abstinence must be taught as saving all sexual activity until marriage because only when we define it in that way can we say this is the safest, healthiest, objectively. Uh, obje objectively the safest, healthiest choice for you. But when you say absence is waiting until you're in love, waiting until you're old, or waiting to meet the right person, waiting until you, you know, have the right feelings for someone, that's not absence. That, is, that offers them no protection whatsoever. Mm -hmm. If I tell teens, and I went over this with them in class this week, if I say to you, wait until you're ready, what am I saying to you? You, you could say, I'm ready right now. What time is the class over? Right. It really doesn't have any, there's no uh, logical, uh, uh, beneficial, part of that message. Say to kids, wait until you're mature, says nothing. Because every, everybody thinks they're mature. So it's mm -hmm. subjective. So I make a very clear distinction, and I did this with the kids in class, between objective messaging and subjective messaging. Mm -hmm. Subjective messaging, which is a flash curriculum is going to be, is, you know, don't have sex until you feel like it, essentially. Objective messaging that we provide is, Saving sex until you're married is objectively the safest, healthiest choice that you can make. We're not saying that you have to do that, but as educators, we have a responsibility to clearly communicate to you that sex when reserved for marriage is best, and that's an objective fact. It is, in fact, it is indisputable, and that's how I teach. I teach it just like that to kids, and I go over that with them, and when they answer questions, I say to them, now, all right, hold on. Is that objective or subjective? See? Mm -hmm. And I want them to be able to define and understand fact from opinion. And so much of what you're going to get in a flash curriculum and CSC curriculum, comprehensive sex ed curriculum, is very subjective. Right. Abstinence is whatever you feel like it should mean to you. And in that, it has so 
even if they say they're teaching absence, they're really not. It's right. Subjective, it means essentially nothing. And, uh, for example, I have it here on page 7 of Lesson 9, where they're talking about what absence is. And here's what they say. Oh, and before I even quote that, let me ask this. Let me say this. In class this week, I kept asking class after class, I did eight classes, why would someone choose to save sex for marriage? Every single class, the answer came back, religion. Mm-hmm. Now, the, uh, the sex educators have tried to make abstinence simply a religious thing, by, because by doing that, then they can marginalize and say, oh, that's just your personal subjective religious belief. Right. Uh, and so we try to come back and say, no, no, regardless whether or not someone is religious or not religious, it's still objectively, medically, scientifically safest, healthiest choice. But look at what flash curriculum does. Uh, many reli- on the abstinence lesson, they say, many religions teach that abstaining from all sex until marriage is good. Others don't. Beyond that, who counts as a virgin, how much it matters to people, varies a lot. And so there's just all this very, you know, uh, moral equivalence. Some people say it's good. Some people say it's bad. You know, whatever you think is whatever you think. You just decide for yourself. And right. that is so unhelpful. There's so much of this obfuscation and subjectivity that at the end of the day, kids walk out not having clear, concrete handles on what is healthiest and best for them. That, Very, to me, is right. extremely problematic, and it bothers me that we're doing this to our kids. Well, when we come back on the next section, um, I want to start that section off by showing uh, or uh, reading a definition by the CDC that actually supports you in a medically accurate way. So we're going to do that. And then Scott has a fantastic announcement offered to Tempe and schools that are looking at sex education. KFNX, 1100 AM, Independent Talk. We'll be back. Lock it in. Independent Talk, 1100 KFNX. Welcome. You're at the home front of an important battle. The American family is under assault. Eternal truths and understandings about family and marriage are being burned at the stake. Common sense is no longer common. Traditional values are being attacked as old-fashioned, obsolete, and irrelevant. Join us in the battle. Share, learn, and teach, adding your voice to the dialogue. Today at the home front. Welcome. You're talking with Jane here from the home front, and we're having a great conversation with Scott Phelps, A&M Partnership, Abstinence and Marriage Partnership. Welcome back, Scott. Yes, thank you, Jane. We have been talking about the design of sex education curriculum and looking at curriculum through the eyes of abstinence education. And I think that's probably really difficult for a lot of people listening tonight because there is so little information out there about abstinence curriculum. We have tonight talked about how it touches the idea of marriage, touches the idea of religion. We've talked about all the definitions of what a mature sexual decision would be be for teens. And we've even linked sex to maturity. So we tell kids, well, when you're mature enough, well, 
which kid in high school is going to say, well, shoot, no, I'm not mature enough to have sex. We've linked it to all the positives and uh, ignored a lot of the reality of, of what this is doing to our teens. We've also talked about medical information. There is a lot here to grasp, more than you can grasp if you're getting into the issue for the first time. Uh, Scott's been with it for over 15 years, myself the same. So uh, in our last segment, if you stick with us through the entire hour, we're going to give you some very concise pointers to get up to date, to know the issues, and to stand your ground. That's one of our theme songs here on the show. And I think what's happened is parents have been pushed to the side, and even kids are uh, encouraged to get their information about sex off the Internet or from a, a teacher at school and told really that these are the authorities because your parents, you know, they're they're religious and they care about you and they're old fuddy-duddies, so you can't really rely on, on what they tell you. The truth is kids want to hear from us as parents. Stick with our show. We're going to have guests come and talk about marriage and that it's more than a religious or an opinion issue that there are realities just like Scott brought up in our previous segment about marriage and its connection and what it means to children if they will wait until they're adults and entering a marriage relationship. In fact, and let me say this, Gene, too, just on that point. It's so critical. The name of our organization is Absence and Marriage mm-hmm. Education Resources because uh, those Two words are so critical to what we're trying to teach, and you can't leave marriage out of the equation, and it so often is. Even some absence programs sometimes don't say much about it, but especially the sex ed program uh, will go out of their way to avoid it. And I've got other examples of the flash that we can talk about where it certainly should be there and isn't there, and that to me is the biggest problem that the marriage rate in America today is 51%, lowest level ever recorded mm-hmm. in history, We're on the verge of becoming a social minority. If we don't fix the institution of marriage by training up a new generation to appreciate and value marriage mm-hmm. for themselves, we're going to be in deeper weeds than we are now, if you can imagine that. Right. Well, let's come to the CDC definition, because I think people are yeah. going to be a little bit surprised and maybe wrinkle your brow and think, well, gee, maybe I should get uh, more versed in this topic. This is actually what brought me into the issue more than 15 years ago. I had at the time uh, been an HIV teacher in my school district when HIV just came into our awareness, and everybody ran for condoms. It was like, this is going to solve it. It's going to not only solve pregnancy, but it's going to solve uh, HIV. So we're going to just teach everybody to use condoms. And that became the focus of programs. And we always use this language called protect. And I'd like to come back to that word later if we have time. But, but use a condom to protect yourself. And of course, if we say we want to protect our children from getting hit on the street, we mean we don't want them to get hit. So we had built up an expectation about condoms, and I heard for the very first time that they don't protect you from lots of things that you want to be protected from. And on the CDC fact sheet back in those days, it just simply said condoms will protect you, 
and they forced an evaluation of the research and CDC changed their definition. And here today is what they say. They say correct and consistent use of the male latex condom reduces the risk. And they're talking about STDs here. However, and this is the important part, it's the butt monkey, as Laura Ingram, one of my favorite hosts, would say. However, condoms use cannot provide absolute protection against any STD. The most reliable ways to avoid transmission of STDs are to, number one, abstain from sexual activity. Or, and this is the marriage definition that follows, but you won't hear the word marriage used. Or number two, to be in a long term, such as a lifelong, mutually monogamous, married to one person, relationship called marriage with an uninfected partner. And somewhere in my experience and, and connection with abstinence educators, it came to to the topic one day that we were talking that, you know, if everybody would adopt that approach to sexual behavior, STDs would basically fade away. HIV would be no problem because people would be having sex in a long-term, mutually monogamous relationship with an uninfected partner called their spouse, their husband, or their wife. So we're going to talk about marriage on other shows and talk about it in a very broad issue that will um, take it out of the sex education world a little bit. So I want to transfer back to education materials that are available and talk about the abstinence education materials that you have available that people can take a look at. They can order a copy of a student manual and you've got different grade levels that you're working with so can you tell us what's out there that was not on the table for the the tempe school district to really consider and uh what could be a resource for them yeah so i uh you know i found out about it very late i got a call from a friend in uh, the tempe area mm-hmm. who informed me that this was going on uh, right beforehand, and then the day after the uh, board meeting, I went on their website and saw the outcome of the meeting. And the bottom line is they did consider uh, another absence education program, which is a very good program, very good friend of mine, so it's a great program. Mm-hmm. But uh, he and I are at a significant cost disadvantage to Flash because our workbooks uh, are about $5 a piece. And the flash curriculum they were selling for, you know, like $1,000 or something as opposed mm-hmm. to our programs, which the workbook would be like $18,000 to buy enough for all the kids. Mm-hmm. So that got me to thinking. And what we're working on, Jane, right now is uh, digitizing all of our material so that we can have online uh, programs for schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can get it in an online version, use it maybe on an iPad, mm-hmm. maybe print it off, whatever. But my point is it's not going to bring our cost down as much as what the flash curriculum is. I don't know if that was done with state funding or whatever, but uh, it's very, very cheap. But what I would like to do, if there's people in the area there who are working on this, uh, I'd love to chat with them because uh, we can offer our program uh, for the same price as the flash program. In other words, 
what was presented at the school board was at a very that the absence education program was at a very significant cost disadvantage by right? mm-hmm. about seventeen or eighteen to one. And, and one of the things, uh, let me throw this in because we're going to run up against a break. Yeah, that the the cost of a thousand dollars, I think, is very um, deceiving. Inasmuch as they do yeah. have training, and they say that the instructors that tra- use this material need to be trained, their training is twelve hundred dollars per um, hour or day. It's on their website, so people can check my facts, okay. and I can get them for the next plus travel. And um, the the cost of getting that trainer there, and you're training a whole cadre of teachers that are going to need to be retrained as they change jobs and such. So it's not just a thousand dollars, and um, there's a lot of liability to putting out yeah. educators who are not trained in in a in a very f- flexible curriculum that they can pick and choose from. Well, and that's good. That's a good point. And all I'm saying is, whatever the flash program is going to cost, mm-hmm. we would be we would be willing to match that cost, even if it you know, meant that we would lose money on the right. deal or whatever. I can't sit by, Jane. I can't sit by and watch these kids because Tempe has used our program in the past when we had grant funding available. Mm-hmm. As you may be aware, there's no city in the country. We're based in Chicago, but we've done more work in the Phoenix area than in any other city in the country. Right. And we've spent a lot of time there, as you know. We've done a number of trainings there. We've been in many of the schools, and uh, a lot of the Tempe schools have used our program in the past when there was grant funding available. So all I'm saying is, if cost We're gonna... is an issue, right. we'll keep that cost so that they can have a good quality program. Great. And we'll pick that up on the other side of the break. We're at KFNX 1100 Independent Talk. We'll join you in a minute. Welcome back from the home front with Jane, our last segment. So we have a lot to pack in here. We've covered a lot of ground, and that's with the help of Scott Phelps from A&M Partnership, Abstinence and Marriage Partnership. Scott, thank you so much for giving us so much time uh, and your expertise. Yes, very good. And also another website, I gave you one website. We've got a couple of websites. The other one is ampartnership.org. And on that, there's a, there's a little three-minute video on one of the opening page sliders that will uh, talk about comprehensive sex education that would be good for people to watch as well while we're on this topic. Wonderful. Well, we're going to give you some bullet points uh, as far as adults, leaders in your home, whether you're a grandparent, an aunt and uncle, a neighbor, or a parent of young people. We're going to give you some very concrete things that you can do in the next week to really gather information, get confident about this, because I think that's one of the big struggles we have, uh, as Scott talked about in the first segment, that this is so countercultural anymore. This used to be the culture norm, and it is now become an alternative if you want to do something different than than normal uh, you can try this if you want and we need to really turn that back around and 
we have some really concrete, important reasons for doing that and good places to get information. Scott, one of the... Can I say one thing real quick on Mm -hmm. that point? The, The perception is that that is the norm. The reality is that most high school students have never had any sexual contact of any kind, according to the CDC. Mm-hmm. But there's been so much push toward liberalization of sexuality and sexual revolution mm-hmm. that the perception is that everyone's having sex. The reality is that absence is, in fact, still the norm, that most kids are not sexually active, right. but they don't even know that. And the perception is really... A, a terrible thing to even have out there. One of yes. the great things about having an abst- abstinence educator come into the class is that you open the dialogue about sexual behavior, all the medically accurate information about it, but also the dialogue about abstinence. You validate that as a mature choice. And uh, for good reason, somebody would choose to not have sex. And, and that is, is so important for kids to hear so they can feel comfortable in their own skin that they're doing a mature thing to wait and hold sex for that special time in their life when they're married. So, Scott, yes, absolutely. you've got five curricula here. If you can just give us the names, because I'm going to direct people to your website for more details on it. They go from grades 6 through 12, and they're notebooks. And the wonderful thing about these curricula is the information is there. You can do it uh, as a parent with your your student, or you can just give it to them and then have them come to you with questions. I think it's really a great idea to to do it together. And uh, these are the workbooks that many school districts, when they had funding, could use one workbook per student. And Scott has made this fantastic offer to make this financially uh, viable for the Tempe School District so that they do not have a hit financially in order to bring an abstinence curriculum to their students. And this yeah, curriculum right. is defined. It's not something that's loosey-goosey where the teacher says, oh, I like this page. I think I'll teach this today. It's a defined curriculum. You know what your students are going to get when they're taught one of these lessons. So, Scott, can you name those five uh different workbooks that uh, yes. people can check out and, on your website. Yeah, I, and, wh- and while you're saying that, I would say the defined part of it is so important, Jane, because when we get the workbooks in the hands of the kids, it's the railroad tracks then that the teacher, the conductor, will run the train on. Mm-hmm. If the, if the tre- teacher were to go astray, that would be very obvious because the kid has it in their head. <laughs> they're looking at the right. book going, where's that? Right. So... On the other hand, if a teacher, for sake of time, isn't able to cover everything, they have it right there. They can read it. It's a workbook. We do encourage parental involvement. Mm-hmm. Uh, end of every chapter, we have a parent interaction section. We want the parents to sit down with their kids, take them to Starbucks or McDonald's or something, and sit down and go over it. Right. That's really, really important. So the first one is A.C. Green's Game Plan. You know, we did this as our first workbook we did with A.C. Green. Our first training for A.C. Green's Game Plan was in Phoenix. Uh, remember, he played for the Suns, right. and just a great example, a great role model, and uh, that workbook then follows uh, you know, a little bit of his story and his career about choosing to save sex for marriage while playing in the NBA. Really, really a good message for kids. Then we follow that up with the Quest program, 
And Quest, I follow a little bit of a Pilgrim's Progress kind of a concept of, you know, you're trying to get from where you are to a future healthy marriage, and there's all these, you know, obstacles in your way. Mm-hmm. And uh, how can you successfully navigate your way to getting there? That's our Quest program. Game Plan and Quest are our middle school programs. Both of those can be used for grades, say, 6 through six through 8, 6 through 9. Okay. Then we've got a couple of high school programs. Uh, one is called Aspire, Live Your Life, Be Free. And uh, Aspire is designed for uh, high school kids, and it puts a lot of emphasis on thinking about and preparing for a healthy future marriage. And really the whole point of what we're doing, Jane, is helping our kids think about how their decisions today are going to impact their life in the future. It's not just about you might get a disease or get pregnant or something now. Mm-hmm. It's about how will your decisions impact your future. Right. Character decisions. Our material is character-based. And then uh, our fourth program is called Navigator, and that is uh, for upper high school grades. It's a little bit more on drugs and pornography and some of the stickier issues and, and mm-hmm. more challenging issues that are there. Uh, but, again, the idea is how are you going to navigate your way to, uh, to the future. And then our fifth program is different than the other four because it is designed specifically for churches and Christian schools. Okay. And uh, so that uh, curriculum is uh, biblically based and follows the life of Joseph in Scripture, uh, Genesis 37 through 50, where you know Potiphar's wife comes after him and he resists that pressure. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we kind of use that story as an example of how to handle the sexual pressures that are coming at you. Right. And that's a really good one for uh, homeschoolers or for uh, church youth groups or Christian schools, and uh, really, really a good program to use. In fact, uh, Gilbert's Christian School, now I think it's Gilbert's Christian School, is using the Excel program okay. uh, now. Fantastic. And some other, other schools in the area are as well. So uh, that's the five programs. All those are available. You can look at them on our website. You can get a, a copy of it and go over it with your, uh, with your own students, and uh, very, very helpful. Okay, so now parents, uh, adults, here are some bullet points for you to educate yourself so that you can start to ask, what is my school doing with sex and the message they're giving my kids? And Tempe specifically, it will help you look at an abstinence curricula that really promotes abstinence until marriage and compare that to the FLASH curricula, which you can view online. And I would encourage you to do that. So Scott, really encourage people to do that, Jane. Mm-hmm. And there's some videos on there that they should watch. Right. I think in uh, the chapter on uh, gender stereotypes or gay, lesbian relationships, which they teach, there's some video links that people should watch. You really need to see what they're wanting to teach your kids. Really important to see that. Now, Scott, the abstinence community has a professional organization that you were involved in forming and that you are also involved with today as um, an organization leader. Can This is NAEA. If you Google just the initials, you'll get other organizations as well. So use the word abstinence, the National Abstinence Education Association. Yes. That's a professional organization. They lobby and educate the politicians in Washington, but they also have a fantastic SRA training, and we'll be talking about that on a future show. So check out their website because they deal with research. The mistaken idea that the only 
thing that research will support is teaching condoms. It's a total fallacy. And we're going to be talking with Valerie Huber. She's a good friend of yours, Scott. Yes. And uh, she'll be talking about the NAEA, but look them up online. The website there is AbstinenceAssociation.org, AbstinenceAssociation.org, uh, and that is a wonderful organization for, uh, you know, political activity and getting involved that way, right. contacting your congressmen, your state senators, your legislators, Great. and letting them know what you want your state to support. Very important. And then uh, check out Scott's materials, buy a workbook, and work through it. See what those lessons look like. Check me out from thehomefront.org. I have links to all of these organizations. So if you can't remember, come to fromthehomefront.org. And we're so glad you joined us this evening. KFNX 1100, Independent Talk. Thanks for being here. Join us next Saturday.